You're listening to The Extra Podcast, a podcast produced by Northview Community Church. Each episode, we discuss a current event, a theological or cultural topic, and answer a listener's question. We take our faith seriously, but we don't take ourselves too seriously, so we invite you to laugh with us or at us, and we hope you enjoy this episode as Jeff, Adam, Ezra, and myself, Greg, will talk about uh, Canadian politics, geology, and the Bible, and Adam's going to ask you for some feedback as listeners for what you want from the podcast. If you want to learn more about Northview, go to northview.org. And if you have a question you want us to answer in an upcoming episode, email extra at northview.org. Welcome to the Extra Podcast. Thanks for uh, tuning in, listening. Maybe it showed up on your phone just automatically there and you're like, what am I listening to now? This is the Extra Podcast, Northview Community Church. Uh, joining me around the table, uh, we have Pastor Jeff. Hello. Uh, our Communications <laughs> Director, Adam Warmald. Hi. Back-to-back episodes for Mr. Warmold. We have our producer is in the house, Stephanie Warren-Lang. That's Ezra clapping for her, not Stephanie clapping for herself, just for our listeners. And we have Pastor Ezra. Hi. Ezra, uh, mm. you were telling a story about you and Adam. Yes. At the Sauce of the Nile. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're making fun of my accent. So nah. I said... The sauce of the Nile. The sauce of the Nile. The yeah. sauce of the Nile. That's what I heard. So, yes, the sauce, the sauce of, the of the Nile. But then North Americans say the source, uh, and my tongue is not quite North American yet. So, so which one are we talking about? Nile sauce or so- <laughs> Nile source? Source. Source. The source. Oh, okay. The, the source, one that's the, the source where, where the Nile, Nile yeah. River starts its long journey to Egypt. To the Mediterranean, yeah, the source. But yeah. I said the source of the Nile, like an African thing. The, the source of the Nile. Yes. The source of the Nile the got sauce. half of our team very sick. <laughs> <I> bet. <laughs> you were not supposed to drink that. No, sauce no, of no, the no, Nile. no, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> no, they ate. They ate some fruit that they were not supposed to eat. There were also the hamburgers that were very raw. Oh, oh, right, yeah. right, yeah. right. So oh, why were you man. guys there? What's happening? Oh, we were. We, I had taken a young adults. Uh, team to do a mission trip, okay. and so we went to Uganda, and that's where that's where Adam met his wife. Well, is, is it where he kind of fell in love with his wife, right? Yeah, that's mm. where like she were they already she, married? No, he no he noticed her, but she hadn't noticed him until mm. that trip. And well, there's like bing yeah. bing 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 bing, <laughs> yeah. He's easy to miss. Yeah. So Adam, sauce of the Nile. Adam, you're here because of the sauce of the Nile, and we're happy to have you. So I have a question. So, Jeff, this last weekend in your sermon, you used an illustration about <laughs> rocks going down a stream. True. And someone texted me and said, is that how that works? So do rocks go down the river, or does the river go over the rocks? Do, like, what's moving here, the water or the stones? Both. Okay. You know, it is surprising to me, the limited knowledge of geology that many of us have. <laughs> so let me just do... You, my, my father yeah. is a geologist. Yeah. So that when, I, when we go on like vacations and stuff as a kid, yeah. my father would spend most of his time explaining to me how the valleys got formed through the ice ages or whether or not the, how the rocks that I'm looking at, you know, the granite and the different kinds of rocks were formed because of the different uh, erosion, the, the wind and the water and that kind of stuff. So yes, that's exactly how it works. What I said in my sermon is okay. geologically I, I correct. I had people asking me. Yeah. So actually, the reason that you have smooth rocks at the bottom of rivers and on seashores is because they've gone through a pretty massive erosion process down down rivers and streams 
over thousands of years usually. There you go. So I, the, those rocks have been there for a long, long time, and they do get moved. Usually, when there's more more uh, when there's more um, rain or something, or a huge snowfall, and then it melts off, <coughs> you just have more f- current, and it picks up big rocks and bashes them on the bottom and breaks them into smaller rocks. And sometimes the smaller rocks just get because the current is so much it carries them down the river. So yes. Okay. Thank you. The rocks are not permanently in the river. Okay. So when you see the, that river yeah. and you come back, I don't know, five years later, the same rocks will not necessarily be there. That's, see? Can I, I, can I ask a question? Okay, well, first, can I say this? Yes. So after that anecdote in your sermon, your illustration, uh, I was on uh, the Facebook and someone posted a little meme. Someone at our Thanksgiving dinner called it a meme, a little <laughs> meme on the Facebook, and it said, geology rocks, but geography is where it's at. Huh? Good times. <laughs> so hold, I was hardly listening. Ladies so and gentlemen, the Harris family. Un- unpacking that because in my mind I was saying, I have to get this joke and I can't say it wrong or else it's going to be... Adam, you had something to say, though. <laughs> Did you say your dad was a geologist? Well, he still is. Yeah, okay. he uh, well, used to teach civil engineering at the University of Washington and other universities, Tufts <coughs> University, and uh, did a little bit of stuff. I don't know, a couple other places in the Boston area. Okay, so I'm going to try and as well. I'm going to try and ask this question that popped into my head when you said that. I don't want to get into a debate about young Earth, old Earth, any of that. Wow. But given your background knowledge of geology growing up and having yes. maybe a bit more than the average person, mm-hmm. what does that knowledge and hearing that growing up do for your faith when you look at creation of having a bit of more of an intimate knowledge of how God did this and the fact that hearing from your father how long it took, what the process was like, I guess, how does that knowledge affect your faith and God's creation process? Uh, well, I, I, I grew up learning very much that glaciation was a thing that actually happened over lots and lots of years. So if you are listening to this and you are a staunch seven-day creationist in the sense of the Genesis, uh, what do they call it, answers in Genesis Mm -hmm. sort of variety, you would disagree strongly with my father on those issues. And uh, you're asking how, how did it influence my faith? Well, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I guess I mean more now. Yeah. Uh, I... I actually think that um, I don't actually want to. I don't think the Bible actually gives an age of the earth. There it is. You should respond to me with emails now by saying that. I'm, I'm saying that I don't think that the intent of Scripture is to describe the age of the earth. And I don't think it actually answers the question. I think there's lots of ways that you can understand the earth to be older. And I'm not saying that I believe. I believe that the seven days of creation were seven literal days. That are described there, but I don't think that necessarily answers the question on how old the Earth is or not. Yeah, I guess. So, how does it affect my faith now? How does how does growing up with a geo- geologically minded father? Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I've never really actually thought about it too much, Adam, <clears throat> and uh, it, I don't see any incongruence between my 
particular scientific beliefs and what Scripture teaches. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I, I learned, uh, I actually think science is one of the gifts that God gives us. Uh, and the inquiry that's involved in science and stuff is, is fantastic. So it's never been a, I, I've never really found it, <clears throat> all the arguments that other people maybe who grew up in families that didn't have quite the, I mean, my dad's got a PhD in, in civil engineering and they used to taught, taught geology for years. So I, I, like, I never felt like science was a threat to my Christian faith. Whereas I think some people who come in from fundamentalist homes, do you know what I mean? They maybe they taught they were taught that science is a bad thing and you shouldn't listen to it and stuff. And so I think some of them have resulted now and they've turned away from the faith and said, "I'm you know I'm a secularist and I only believe in what science says." So, so if someone came across and said, "Well, we should use the Bible <clears throat> to cause to shine light on the truths of science," right? So why, in other words, what do you mean? So someone uh, like yourself grows up in a non-Christian background, uh-huh. grows up with a, a an affinity and an awareness of geology. Yep, becomes a Christian. I'm imagining some listeners saying, "Now, why wouldn't you bring the Bible to bear on the geology?" Well, if the Bible if the Bible is speaking to the geology, then I would. I don't know. There are some places where I think that that's plausible, but other places that I don't. I don't think that that's. I mean, clearly the flood had some implica- influence on things, right? But so I some, don't think it had. It answers all the questions. So some people might be saying, "Well, this seems like an area where Jeff is uh, like not wanting to hold the authority of Scripture." Oh, so how would how like I'm just trying to parse out that you, that in, engagement. In, with... in saying that, you would be making an argument that. Scripture speaks clearly about scientific things that we are trying to answer today. Right. And I don't, I'm not as compelled to believe that that's the case. I think the scriptures are actually speaking about questions that often we don't ask today, like who's God? What is he like? How did this world get here to be the way it currently is? And some of that kind of stuff. But scientific processes, I don't think the Bible is a science textbook, nor should I, nor should we consult it as such. I'm not saying that it doesn't deal in some areas in science, uh, but the question I have is, okay, but what is the intent of those hmm. passages? Is that intent of those passages to describe facts about science, or is the intent of that passage, those passages to be utilizing the worldview of the people who are hearing it to describe something about God? Hmm. Hmm. And it might, might be both, but we'd have to look at each passage in its own light. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So then one more, one more question just to kind of tease out this idea of Scripture engaging with the sciences and other things around us. Uh, someone might, who's listening, say, right, but what about, even if the, the it's not addressing it directly, and mm-hmm. yet we recognize that Scripture has a divine authority, and so isn't it probable or possible that, that God would be speaking through an author and can be addressing other issues that might come up down the line in history that the author themselves weren't aware. I feel of. like being led down a primrose nope. path, Greg. So you tell I'm, you I'm tell raising, me the answer to your question. I'm raising the questions that I've heard when this conversation's come up. Oh. So th- the divine authorship mm-hmm. that can be appealed to as saying, right. So the human author might not have had geology in mind, but did the divine author have so those things in mind? I, st- I struggle with the division that you're creating. Uh, and I agree, I agree with you that the Bible has both 
a divine author, the Holy Spirit, and he works through human authors, but the intent of the human author is what the Holy Spirit is inspiring. Right? So you might say, well, well what about places where where there's prophecies and they have fuller implications? Yeah, in salvation history, yes. There are passages of Scripture, like Psalm 2, that don't sound like you know, like you read the book of Matthew, for example, and it goes back and say, this, thus the Scripture was fulfilled. And then you go back to where that Scripture was stated in the Old Testament, and you realize that's different than, you know, it seems in the original context, it's not quite what, what they're saying. So they read, in other words, they read Christ back into those things. So yes, that's legitimate. But I, I, I struggle in saying that, oh, we should do that with science now that the intent of the author should be disregarded because this particular person made this offhanded comment regarding, you know, the stars in the sky or something like that. I don't think the intent is to say anything about the stars in the sky. And I think to say that is to misunderstand what the author is trying to say. I don't think you'd like to be—well, personally, I don't think that you'd like to be treated that way as an author, right? That you mm-hmm. make these little comments along the way and, and that don't have anything to do with— and other <clears throat> subjects, and people say, well, he said this about that. Hmm. And you're like, well, I wasn't talking about that at all. Yep. You're, you're smirking at me. No, it's good. Yes, it you good are. You're smirking at me. I was happy with the answer. Right. Uh, remember my, my geology geography joke? This is why I was smirking. Oh, because I was going to make a segue. Keeps coming back to Because the geology rocks, but geography is where it's at. So here's my segue into a current event. <laughs> Geography, Canada, elections. Huh? Love it. You like that? Yeah, I totally did not intend to go off on a five-minute theological yeah, discussion. You just wanted to throw out young earth creationism. <laughs> yeah. No, I said I don't want to create that. Everybody debate, but. needs to know that Adam is a theistic evolutionist, <laughs> and his email is awarmald right. at there you go. northview.org. No one can spell that. So He's not, by the way. I, I made that up. Please don't take that seriously. I don't know what... <laughs> I'm just here to mix it up. That's right, man. Way to mix it up. Crazy views. Geology to geography. To Canada's elections. Canada to the elections. Current event elections. By the time this podcast comes out, we uh, actually, we probably haven't voted yet unless you did the advanced polling. So here's a question. People uh, have said that pastors should come out and, and say, which candidates to vote for? Mickey is, Mouse. I'm voting for Mickey Mouse. Are you? Can you vote in the election? Because no. of your no, no, I can't vote in Canada because I'm a permanent resident. Okay. But I can vote in the U.S. election, and I have written in Mickey Mouse before. Have you? No. Yeah, but now I don't really like Mickey Mouse because the Disney is making me mad. So right. I might, I might vote for someone else. Greg, I might vote for you this year. Get Do you right want to vote? Sure. I'm down. I might actually vote for Greg Harris. For president of the United States, and if then you, you can tell people that I got one vote you for take, president of the United States. Take a, can you take a picture of it, or is that illegal? Yeah, no, you, uh, I don't know. It probably is illegal. <laughs> so with an election coming but I'm up... But I'm not sure that American politicians are that worried about what's illegal. East. Oh. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> hey! Ezra, mm-hmm. help us think through uh, voting. So you've come from a... A different place than Canada originally. Yeah. So, what is the maybe talk a little bit about what the process is like where you're from? Democracy? No. Here, I don't know anything about anything. Geology, geography, none of it. You know nothing. Social studies. Mm. Kenya is a mm. 
Sit we, on the blank. We, we would say, we would say <laughs> Kenya is a, it's not a city. <laughs> it's not a city. And Africa is a continent. It's not a country. Okay. Wow. Okay. So Kenya is one among many nations of Africa. Uh, it's a country and it's a democratic country, which means... It's a we, commonwealth nation, right? It is a commonwealth so nation. So it's British yeah, background. Because it was a British colony. Mm-hmm. But just because we are a commonwealth country does not necessarily mean that politically we are similar. Although there are, there are a number of similarities between Kenyan Kenya's uh, government system and the British government system. Right now they've changed it. So we now have counties rather than provinces and you have governors rather than uh, provincial commissioners and things like that. It's just a different system. Anyway, um, uh, politically, those who actually run the country and legislate laws and things like that, they are voted in by by the population. So people go in and vote. The, the unfortunate thing with African politics in particular is... You have many African countries have uh, uh, obviously different languages. People who are speaking, uh, their, their native tongue is very different. It's like Greek and French, like different. But they're all Africans and they live there. Uh, and so when it comes to time to vote and you have the, the uh, two, two different individuals vying for the same seat, but one comes from one tribe, another one comes from a different tribe, you may find, obviously, one might be better than the other because their policies or the way they approach issues is different. Uh, the unfortunate thing is a lot of Africans feel like you feel like it's a betrayal if you vote for someone who does not come from your tribe. Hmm. It just it, it feels like similar that. to everywhere else. I think that people feel that. Yeah, that's what I think <clears throat> in some places they call that identity politics. You yeah. end up defining yourself by yes. certain certain uh, you know like r- racial gender right whatever cultural backgrounds yes. and you you're you're actually encouraged mm-hmm. to vote for your people your yes. whatever i don't right. know if that's that's a good thing usually so we should in, be in, able to in, vote for people who share our views necessarily but right. but we're told oh you should vote for people like you right yeah. so in in africa it feels it feels that way and in some cases the person who gets to win the election so if you become the president of the nation, the likelihood of your area, your constituency, getting better roads or better water systems and electricity and things like that, the likelihood of a lot of re- development happening is very high. Why? Because this is the president's area. Therefore, we have to swank it up because that's where the president comes from. The unfortunate thing is, depending on how big a tribe you come from. So if your tribe is the largest tribe in the country, the likelihood of a guy coming from a teeny weeny tribe getting the presidency, very small. Very unless the candidate has really wowed the nation. And even there, a lot of people who come from different tribes voting for him will feel like it's an, a big betrayal. So that's uh, African politics and of course there's fighting and things like that and cheating and all that. Like it's just ridiculous. Do uh, people in Canada I mean I'm I think it, Politics are similar the world over. Mm-hmm. So similarly, Ezra, I'm wondering if people in Canada uh, would vote for somebody who's more of a local than somewhere than somebody who's from far away. Like, I, like I, I guess Justin Trudeau is popular in BC a little bit, but I'm wondering if the person who's running against him, or if from the other party who's going to be the prime minister, was from Burnaby or whatever. Because I know that. Uh, uh, is it Jagmeet Singh is mm-hmm. the name of the of the NDP prime minister? So he's from yeah. Burnaby South, I think, mm-hmm. and so I, I know that he's very, he's quite popular in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. 
because he's more he's he's one of us is the sort of mentality. He's a home guy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Hometown. Whereas yeah. uh, Trudeau is seen as an Easterner, mm-hmm. political, mm-hmm. connected, grew up mm-hmm. in that whole setting, and so mm-hmm. Quebec and and Ontario yeah, but, were more his. But his I will say, jam. I will say, as a as an immigrant, um, as I talk to multiple Canadians, that's not the sense that I get. Um, I think the sense I get from most Canadians is if the person running for the seat, if I had a personal interaction with them, I had five, seven minutes with this, with this individual and the vibe I got from them, that they were a really nice guy. They were a really cool guy. I shook his hand. He talked to me. He listened to me. I asked a question. He responded respectfully toward me and things like that. A lot of people will be like, you know what? I think he's a good guy because I got a good vibe from him. So a lot of uh, uh, people. So it doesn't who matter about his politics. So I, I again, no, not saying that it doesn't matter his politics. For some people, that five minute interaction makes makes it for them. Mm. For other people, it will be more their political views. Like, is he uh, holding my view and my position? This one issue is the big one for me, and whoever will sing my song, this is a person I'll mm. vote for, and so they would do that. So again, it depends. Nowadays, politi- I, I find I find that um, in in the political world, even as I watch the ads on TV, what frustrates me is the candidates in their in their in their commercials or anything like that. They're not telling me what their platform is. Rather, Why they're just they? rubbishing. They're rubbishing the other guy. That's half the way the to win, guy, now, right? The other guy is terrible because they do this, that, and the other. But again, at the end of the day, it just breeds cynicism in my in my mind. Like thinking, okay, so yeah, you've told me how this person stinks. But I don't know what you actually stand for. Great. You haven't sold yourself to me so that I can actually say, okay, candidate A, yeah, you're, you're solid because I know you believe this and this and this and mm-hmm. this about these issues. But B, I also know what you believe, but I'm more for A than B. Yeah. Mm. Greg, is there a Christian way to vote? Uh, I would say... Um, yes. Whoa, there it is. Okay, so Greg... Can you tell us which are the Christian candidates? Yeah, exactly. That's I've the, got a, are you writing this down? Yeah. Steph? So I think that, that's notes? the difference. I think that voting as a Christian uh, will probably play out in different ways uh, for people. I think, first of all, people will want to uh, make a conscious choice uh, whether or not to vote. Um, the Some people in, in church history have... Uh, opted out of voting for various reasons. They've had more of a separatist uh, vibe, uh, this idea of we'll, we'll be good neighbors, but we'll kind of let government do their thing, and uh, we'll, we'll see where the chips fall. And so some people out of their conscience for different reasons land there. Other people will say, no, actually, it's the, it's the duty of the Christian to vote. Um, so that's actually the question so why, I was going to why would it be the guys. duty of the Christian to vote? That's, is it? That's what I was going to throw actually to the table. Well, it? I think the argument is that uh, you show love for your neighbor. Which, by the way, this day and age, though, that seems to be everybody's, you should do this because it's loving for your neighbor, and it gives people opportunities to define things more narrowly than I think the Bible itself <laughs> defines them. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So, you know, you should eat at this restaurant and not that one because it's loving for your neighbor. There, ergo, if you ate at this other restaurant uh, that has these other political views or these other kind of social views, then you're actually sinning. Mm-hmm. And that, 
eh, that's see, see what I mean. You can get really legalistic about this sort of stuff, but usually that one what people are trying to argue is saying, well, to vote to not vote is not is not loving for your neighbor because you're not you're not actively involved in the right. political process, seeking their good through yeah. the means by which you can achieve it in this right. day and age. So, so I, there's some truth in that, though, right? I don't think it's a sin not to vote. There are lots of people I've heard who say that it is, but I don't know where in Scripture you're actually going to argue that other than what I just stated, mm-hmm. and that, to me, is a little bit of a stretch, because I can apply love for neighbor in very specific ways, and we're going to disagree about it all the time. And that's Maybe how's... my love for my neighbor is that I don't vote about something as, a, as an right. objection to the two candidates, for example, and I'm an American, so maybe that's my objection, right? Because last time I struggled as an American, I didn't vote, and I did it on purpose, because I was like, I don't, neither of them are, mm-hmm. and, and so for me, people would say, well, that's a waste, you know, that's a waste, you should have chosen one. Why? Mm-hmm. Do I have to? Mm-hmm. So in the, in the end, but I had people tell me, oh, I think it's a sin not to vote, and I don't think that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think I know of some, uh, some Christians kind of locally who... Uh, their voting record has not been tied to only one party, but what they've done is they've actually voted uh, to try to see some policies have a bit of a pendulum swing in the nation. So they're like, well, I don't like all the bad things that are happening because of that party, so let's see if we elect this other party, if that kind of brings some correction. Maybe we'll have some other problems, but then we'll figure that out the next election cycle. And so out of conscience, they've kind of voted not just for one particular party, but because they're wanting to see some of the air or some of the holes that they've identified in the in the nation that they feel like another party coming in could could address those. So it's a it's it's less of a I wouldn't say that there's a Christian way to vote, as in there's only one potential option for you to vote as a Christian. Wouldn't it be true that everybody you vote for is going to be less than less less than what you would ideally want? That at some point. One or many of their their viewpoints and things that they would put mm-hmm. into practice, you believe, as a Christian, are going to be not what right. what Jesus would put into practice. Well, Does that make sense? And even the complexity of the fact that you could have all the the trust in the world in a particular person, and yet know that that person fits within a party mm. that would never let that one person's viewpoints actually rise to the to the fore. So everybody is making like they're making deals in their minds mm-hmm. about right i i can i can do this or i can, i can support somebody who su- who doesn't support these things but they have to support these things so my, here's my question are there a set of non-negotiable christian things that they have to believe this in order to get my vote and that you would be willing to extend to everybody mm. see the problem again is depending on which party because there'll be things that... Uh, that's one, exactly right. Yeah, it, I'm going to put you in a, in, in a position where you have to answer straight now, Israel. And I'm going to you, answer... You're dodging everything. No, I'm not dodging. No, I'm, you're not, dodging I'm not dodging the question because there are certain issues for me that are going to be... Like, this is a massive issue. So, for example... Is it just for you, though? That's my question. Is, are there certain no, issues? So, 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 for me, like, not, not when I say me, I say, okay, for a Christian. For the Christian... I would say, okay, this is a massive issue, but both parties probably, they both endorse this thing that I'm like, oh dear, this is terrible. So it doesn't matter whether I vote left or right, I'm still stuck with this issue. But right? what if one of the parties had one of the parties had a view mm-hmm. toward one of those issues? So I, I'm going to ask Greg, because he's going to answer the question straight, Ezra. <laughs> Can you be a Christian? Yeah. A faithful Christian and vote for a pro-abortion candidate. 
I, I think that the complexity of the question is that the candidate may or may not be pro or anti-abortion, and yet the party they fall in may or may not make that an issue that's actually going to be brought up to the fore. So, but if you okay, let me create create the the situation though. Yep. If the candidate is expressly pro-life, mm-hmm. and they're running against two, three, whatever, expressly pro-choice candidates, as a Christian, are you obligated to vote for the one and not the others over that single issue? Like, is that a non-negotiable? So here's, here's my gut reaction in the, in the Canadian context. You're so like Ezra. No, is that... So we, if, if there's a conservative candidate... Who is pro life? You should yet, run for office. And by yet, the way. they have made a decision like as a party. Like just Andrew Shear, just dodging all the questions to Sorry. not actually re-engage with this particular issue. That what my point is is that you could, by your conscience, feel I can't vote for someone who is pro-choice. I have to vote for someone who is individually pro-life, and yet mm. we have to vote knowing that that person who is individually pro-life stands within a party who is refusing to actually bring that particular issue for renegotiations. Now, they, they can back off of that statement that they said publicly that they won't re-engage this topic. But you have to be voting for, in your mind, by your own conscience, the pro-life candidate who fits within a party that has come out publicly to say, we're not going to re-engage this topic. So you're, but even the language you're using there, in your own mind and by your own conscience, is answering the question that the for I hearing you say is that the the you can be pro life and ought to be pro Christian people should be pro life abortion is wicked awful it's murder mm-hmm. okay yes so you come to that conclusion righteously yep. and I mean the yes. scriptures teach us yes. that life is mm-hmm. sacred made in yes. the image of God mm-hmm. right before I was born you knew me says mm-hmm. David when I was in my mother's womb okay mm-hmm. but I hear you saying that. How that then is expressed, how, how your pro-lifeness now is expressed, is a difficult thing to sort out, especially when the options you have in voting are less than ideal. Right. Right? That you might, as a Christian, end up voting for a pro-choice candidate. You might, for certain reasons, because 15, 15 of their other views you think are, are better. So this is not a non-negotiable. That's what I'm hearing you saying. This is not a non-negotiable and that it's a Christian freedom to vote for a, pro, a pro-choice candidate. See, I think... Can I so just respond? Greg's, Greg's nodding. I, 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 want I want to, to respond. Out loud. I would interrupt by <laughs> saying that I think in the complexity of the political system that you're a part of, that, that if you're choosing to vote for a party that isn't going to make that one issue, that is your one issue, actually bring some change to that area, then even if by your own conscience you've decided I'm voting for someone who is pro-life, you have also now elected a party that has decided to not re-engage the issue. So we could satisfy the conscience by saying, I voted for an individual who holds the same ethics that I hold, and I pray that one day they're able to open up would, the door to this conversation. But wouldn't you be but saying... But you would still be electing into leadership, right. ideally wanting that party to have enough seats that they could have the majority. You'd still be electing a government that 
is publicly saying we're not necessarily going to reopen this debate. So, so what I, I'm trying to bring out is the complexity yeah. of the vote, that even if you are a one-vote yep. issue, we haven't absolved our conscience of... Yeah, but but yeah, I think but you're issue. appealing pragmatically. You're yeah, basically see, saying that the pragmatically it might not work out, even if you do vote for the person who is pro-life. But you see, I think even when, Greg, you're using the word complexity here, I don't think that it is... I don't think that the issue is complex. What I think is, for the Christian, for the Christian... We have to walk into these issues realizing that we live in a fallen world where evil will happen and things that will totally challenge your theological, biblical worldview. So, so we, this is, this is so not— So we should vote for that. This is not, this is not, a, this is not a biblical worldview that, that we, are, we are seeking after here. So we are living in a fallen world. So the question then becomes, vote in a manner that will—vote for the party or for the individual who will— Try their hardest to 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 uh, to bring a greater good for the community. That's very utilitarian of you. But it's true. I mean, it, again, so, so you we, should we, be we, pragmatic with your vote. We 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 at the end of the day, Just we live in whichever a, we, we live, weighed up in we the scales, and whoever live, is going to do the more good. We live in a fallen world. So it, you and should, therefore, all your Christian views, all your Christian views, and your Christian issues so are do, not going to. Hang on, are not going to be represented by all the candidates. There'll be things like Greg has said. You may have a pro pro life, a pro life candidate who is in a pro choice in a pro choice party. Okay. You're still stuck with this issue. Now, right, what Izzy. are you going to do there? All right, Ezzy. Okay, you ready? Sure, bring it. Um, so, would you say the same thing about uh, white supremacist? Would you say the same thing? Here's a guy who's a white supremacist. Mm-hmm. And he's wicked and actually wants to to kill people who look just like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's got a bunch of other thoughts on economy and other stuff that's really awesome. Yes. And so you're saying to me that you weigh up pragmatically, you know, you know, See, he's I, got 15 checkpoints mm-hmm. of good things, and this this white supremacy yes. and, is and, one checkpoint of bad things. And, and so say, in the end, you should vote as a as a Christian. Mm-hmm. It's okay to vote for the white supremacist who has got the 15. Good, See, good again, again, depending on the landscape and depending on what is going on around. So Ronald Reagan, who was one of your presidents, no, said no, a he wasn't. foul Stop thing, worrying. said a foul thing about Africans in Tanzania. Did he? Oh, yeah. He said the... Google it. I'm not going to Google it. Yes. He said a foul thing about... African people in Tanzania, because the Africans were voting against a bill in the UN against the United uh, against the, the the US, and I think Reagan was, I think at the time, a governor or something, and he was talking to Nixon, mm-hmm. and the and the tapes came out, and Reagan's daughter publicly apologized for. He said, "I I don't know that that guy is my dad." So yes, there will be candidates who will hold views that are horrifying. The question becomes. In your current political but, but, landscape. But that's a little different than in yes. that. No, no, no. That's a hang private on, viewpoint. On, but what I'm, on, what I'm asking is the white supremacist who but says, that's what I'm, I'm going to pass laws and seek laws that are going to advance white supremacy. Yes. I think so it's the right in, thing. In, I think it's the way situation, to go. In that situation, in that situation, Jeff, obviously, I wouldn't vote for him. I wouldn't vote for Should him Christians because— Christians vote for him? I would, I would actually counsel Christians to say, no, you shouldn't vote for so, this guy. So, Here's why. Here's why. So nobody because, should vote for a pro-choice because, because his Because his, his policies, 
his policies are going are not going to advance the greater good of the community the community which is made up of people who are not white as him okay so the so you could come back and say you can back and say what if you have two candidates and they both mm. are white supremacists you don't have a third option so candidate A and B both are white supremacists. Yeah, and that's the challenge that now what do you, you do there when it comes to the abortion issue right. in Canada? That's especially that's the, the issue. issue. Yeah, right. So this is the challenge, right? So uh, this is why a lot of Christians in church history have said, actually, the Christian thing to voting. do is not vote. <laughs> yeah, is because they've said I I can at the end of the day with what I believe what I believe to be true about God and humanity and the world we live in. I look at the options and I say the best way for me to love my neighbor is to actually not participate. And so there are, there are some who currently and those who in church past have opted out. So I guess the, the question I was going to ask you guys, which I'll now hmm. throw to the table, hmm. is if we're heading into the election season, I don't want you to name any names, uh, but I want you to give the voters uh, and the listeners some wisdom in terms of how do they handle these next few days as they head potentially into the polling booths. I got to go first. Because I know Jeff is full of words. words. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the deal. I think as we approach uh, uh, the the ballot box, uh, we we remember God is sovereign, and God or God appoints those who will be leaders of a nation. He does, but God uses means, and so the means by which He will He will elevate, elect, appoint whoever the next prime minister of Canada will be is through the voting of the people. So at the end of the day, as a Christian, um, you could decide among the, the, the candidates to see, okay, so whose policies um, fit well with, with you and how, and how you view Canada and, and uh, the kind of society you want us to be, who, which platform suits you. And then from there, you cast your ballot knowing, hey, you know what, I'm participating in this. In this uh, I have a, by the way, I have a privilege of participating in this exercise because there are many countries in the world that don't have this privilege in a peaceful setting. So we exercise this, but at the same time, we also leave it to the sovereignty of God to say, Lord, I am doing this, but at the end of the day, your will be done in this. Yeah, I don't think this... I don't think the problem that I see in politics is quite as big an issue in the in Canada as it is in the U.S. So my Americanism comes out here in the sense that I, I think that oftentimes it's easy for Christians to place too much confidence in the possibilities of the right government. Do you, do you understand what I mean? Like, if we could just get the right people in the offices, they would deliver all the promised land. And so mm-hmm. there kind of gets, even in, intrinsically, we think, well, you know, some people would say, look, if the conservatives can just get back into office, then they will lead us further and closer to the, the good world. Or if, the, if you're the opposite, if you're liberals, if they can just stay in the office, then they can lead us forward. I mean, they, they think that's their pitch nowadays. Let's keep moving forward. I got to tell you, I, th- I just think that Jesus is king, and he's the one who's going to bring his kingdom ultimately, and he will hold to account all those who are, who are running for office. So as Ezra said, vote the best you can. Thankful for the opportunity, but at the end of the day, Jesus is Lord. There you go. Or don't vote. It's fine. Oh, somebody's going to get mad yeah, at me for, for that. Sure. But whatever. Well, or, uh, but don't write in my name here in Canada. 
Can you not do that? Can you write that in for like a writing here? No, because you just vote for the writing. I mean, if you, if you, I mean, you could write. Stephanie's telling us we have to check the box. You can write your name on that piece of paper. The only problem is you have. You've ruined your ballot. You have. Okay. (laughs) If you're not actually free, you could write your name there, but you'd ruin your battles, your 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 ballot, so it will not be counted. So there you go. Just check the box, and that's fine. Don't add anything more. This podcast, to me, this episode, uh, defines the unintentional conversations. We talked about all kinds of things I didn't think we were going to talk about. This is great, but our time keeps going. Uh, So we're going to keep the conversation going a little bit here. I have a... We wanted to bring in... Adam Wormald is in the room, and he's in the room for more than just his blue hat. You're wearing all blue. Blue hat, blue shirt, which matters to the list. Red pants. Burgundy? That does matter. I thought you brought in brought me in for my robust uh, conversation into the local politics. That's right. So clearly, we la- the last few weeks we've been asking people, look, if you have any questions, email extra at northu.org. and no one does. No one is bringing in the questions. So instead, I thought, you know what, Adam, you had a question you wanted to raise to the listeners of the podcast. So here you are, man. Yeah. No, I'm. Uh, you know. Let's give an example. Jeff, several, several years ago now, you made some major waves by instigating the discussion around whether or not we should continue to do NBC. Oh, yeah. That was a huge deal because it just, it started as one thing and gradually morphed into another thing that we just expected. And it became a very... What was NBC? Uh, night before Christmas. Yeah, it was a play that we used to run. Adam's trying to say that uh, the podcast might be the same thing, so he wants to ask the question. Wow, <laughs> let's not jump to conclusions. What, he wants to ask the question: How can we make the podcast better? Right? Yeah, better. Not get rid of it. Not completely change it. I. That's want... what people say when they're about to get rid of something. By the way, no, we don't want to get rid of this. We want to make do. it better. Well, like you we said, do. when I we don't, like, we're going to kill it. Like you said, when I walked in here late, uh, because I did, guess I didn't have the right time, your time is very valuable. Everyone in this room <laughs> has valuable said? time. You said, well, you're making me wait. Or my time <laughs> I did not say that. I said it <laughs> like Ezra I got Ezra places did. to be. Sit down. I'm a very busy man. Ezra always says that. I'm a very busy man. I'm That's why he's, Let's go. when you don't hear him, he's on his phone doing other <laughs> things. <laughs> Responding to my emails. <laughs> so, no. Uh, what I mean by that is, we've been doing this for... At least seven or eight years now, mm. right? For over four hundred episodes. Yeah. So if if we were doing fifty a year, you know, that's at least eight years, and I'm sure we didn't do fifty every year. So we started this probably nine years ago, at least. Mm-hmm. So my question is, and this is to the listener, not to the people in this room, is it still a valuable resource? And what about it is, and what about it could change, if anything? Or should it continue? Because we could do something else. Podcasts. I really like podcasts. A lot of people really love podcasts. I have friends that are avid listeners. But I just want to get a good handle on, I mean, the fact that we don't have any listener emails or questions is saying, okay, well, maybe that's a sign that people aren't as engaged as they used to be, or they're just not as interested. So you are asking for people to respond by email to extra at northview.org 
with their thoughts about those issues. And don't be shy. We will record your name and email, find out where you live, and send Stephanie to her. We will show up at your door with a microphone and no, it, it it would be great. Whatever happened to uh, first time listener, first time emailer, long time listener, first time yeah. emailer? Who they created a, uh, a separate Gmail a separate account. Gmail account so we would not wow. be able to find out who they were. It's amazing, and I so like you could that. do this That's as well great. if you are worried about us uh, about reprisals. You could do that as well, but we really would actually like to hear from you. Uh, we're asking for the feedback because we want the podcast to be as helpful as we can. So a little direction from you would be helpful. Adam is asking in his role as our communications director. Well, and the other thing is, I I am a huge podcast listener fan advocate and i would love to invest more time and resources into the podcast if it's a great resource for our listeners and i would like to say growing the audience with Mm -hmm. a relevant and important resource that is helping us accomplish our mission and vision as a church if that is the case if this is a resource that is highly sought after and valued and is impacting people's lives then it deserves time and resources. If not, then... We're willing to change it. We're willing to change it. Uh, don't be afraid, by the way, to send those. Adam and Stephanie will be the ones who are receiving them. So if you have something mean to say about me or Greg or Ezra, we will not see anything uh, having to do with that. And we are very happy for you to say mean things about us. Well, just speak for yourself. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if I... But yeah, sure. We want honesty, no, just but, be honest, but meanness? Seriously, it doesn't help. Yeah. I'm just being a joke. What I'm asking for is honesty. Do you remember my joke this episode? Greg, I can't forget your joke this episode. There's a difference between geology and geology, something like that. Yeah, (laughs) it was excellent. It wasn't funny. All right, thank you for listening. Have a great week.